So we have been thinking about how do we get along, thank you. We've been thinking about how do we get along, and we are going to go to these, it is a sensitive topic, we get that, this topic of forgiveness and resentment. But that's what we're going to be exploring now, and Troy has come up to help us unpack that. We're going to interview Troy first, and he's going to, look, well, what does the Bible say about this, um, and help us unpack that a bit. And then later on, Stu's going to come up, um, Stu's a counsellor, and he's going to help us to see how um, how practically we can do that. We'll unpack that a bit more in a minute. All right. So thank you, Troy, very much. All right. So first of all, what is forgiveness? Uh, when I think about forgiveness, I've got two, two definitions brought with me today. So choosing to no longer hold a grievance against you, um, or in another way, we, we might say it's foregoing the right to get even. Um, because instinctively within humans, I think that we have this reflex reaction that goes something like, when you hurt me, I want to hurt back. And there's this capacity that we have to want to hold grievances against one another. So that would be my one of my working definitions, foregoing so, the right to get yeah, even. Foregoing that right, yep. forgiveness is foregoing that right. And this morning we're not thinking about reconciliation, we're just thinking about that act inside of us of forgiveness, because we recognise that reconciliation is then complicated again, because obviously it's not always right and good to do that, it often is. So we're not covering that, that's way too big a topic, we're thinking about forgiveness, this, foregoing yeah. the right to get to even. Get Brilliant. Okay, yeah. so Troy, what happens if we don't forgive? Um, I liken it to this bottle of poison. So when you have unforgiveness, it's like drinking the poison and uh, what happens in your life internally, if metaphorically, it rots your insides. Um, and the, the cause of, of this, you know, the, that internal negative emotion that we carry just impacts us. Um, most profoundly at times. So that's why I think the, the bottle of poison is just a good image to have, is that when there's unforgiveness in our lives, it's as though we just take a sip of it every day, tastes good in the moment, but it actually doesn't do anything healthy um, for us whatsoever. In fact, there's a passage in the Bible that talks about this, and the context of it is um, in the, the book of poems or songs known as Psalms, and this particular writer has a, has a resentment forming against God. He looks around the world and sees that seems as though um, the people uh, who are evil and wicked get ahead and you're not listening to me, God. So he's starting to brew this sort of resentment towards God. Later on in the song or in the, the poem, he then says this, Then I realised that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I think that's a really good picture of what goes on inside of us when we have unforgiveness. I was so foolish and ignorant that I must have seemed like a, a senseless animal to you. And I thought that's just a really interesting phrase they use. As, uh, use it's so the unforgiveness, if you like, can dehumanise us a little bit. I um, The version that I used to read used to call it a brute beast. Okay. I love yeah. that imagery of a brute beast. Yep. Inside yeah, of us. absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, the crazy thing about... No, well, not the crazy thing. The, the, the outcome of this is that it just breaks relationship. I know someone who uh, said to me, I remember the conversation, said, Troy, this is how I deal with unforgiveness. When someone lets me down, when someone hurts me, I just delete them. And he said, see my phone here? See this person here? They've let me down. They've hurt me. And he said, you know, he just hit the delete button. He said, that's how I deal with it. So imagine a world in which we just deleted one another who hurt us. Um, and so really this, this sort of insight to the poison or what it does internally to us, it's destructive internally, it's destructive in relationships around. And, and the, the, the strange thing about this is that you've got 
sometimes people who have perceivably done wrong by you that you haven't forgiven and you've got this invisible umbilical cord attached to them and uh, if you like that they can get on with their lives just fine and you have this strong negative emotion towards them and you're the one who's actually has this ongoing fixation with them and, and they can get on with their lives just fine because they may even not know they've, they've hurt you. Absolutely. When I was talking to Stu earlier, he talked about it actually. It's, it's you feel you have power. Yeah. As you have that cord, you actually feel empowered by it. Okay, so what does the Bible say we do? So if we have unforgiveness, yeah. what does the Bible say we do about well, it? Well, in light of these things, uh, it's, it's really clear. It just says get rid of it. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Jesus Christ has forgiven you. So the Bible's simple answer is just get rid of it. It's no good for you. It's no good for anyone else. It's just get rid of it. And it presses on a little bit more in another place where Jesus has just given his disciples, his followers, a model prayer. And at the end of it, the, it says uh, in the prayer, it says, as we have forgiven those who have sinned or hurt or grieved us. And then Jesus goes on and he says this really interesting thing. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins as well. And look, there's much to unpack here, but I think just at face value, um, the biblical response would be get rid of it, deal with it, because it's that destructive in relationships. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think for the sake of not just for inside of us, for anyone around us as well, that community yeah. health as well as our own health. Yeah. 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 Okay, so the last two weeks we've been looking at uh, two different characters from uh, the Bible who fitted perfectly into the example of being unaware of themselves and um, having entitlement as well. But we're not going to look at a character. You're going to actually um, unpack a story that Jesus told yeah. uh, for us. So do you want to unpack it first? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, so in the context of Jesus issuing this call to be a forgiving kind of people um he's a on his journey to jerusalem where he's going to die for the sins and the wrong of the world and his disciples have just been fighting for who's the best positioned one who's the the top dog and he enters in stage left um, a child and says i want you to posture yourselves completely differently he then goes and tells this particular story it's from matthew chapter 18 23 to 35 this is how it goes the kingdom of heaven he says is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants now in this very moment here if we just paused and said actually we don't want to do a one-for-one one take so when Jesus is using this illustration it's not that the king is God that will become very clear he's likening it to so it's not saying it's a one-for-one one, it's likening it to um, so he says you want to talk about forgiveness uh, let's talk about it in monetary terms and let's talk about like a business transaction so there's a king who wanted to settle accounts with those who were doing his bidding for him well he was beginning to sort it all out and one man was brought before him who owed 10,000 talents. That's a lot. That it is actually a lot because a talent was like the highest monetary currency that they had and 10,000 is obviously the actually it was the biggest Greek number that they had going. So a talent just to put this in perspective would be equal to one talent would be 15 to 20 years wages for someone. 15 to 20 years wages and you've got 10,000 of them. So in this moment here we know that Jesus is using exaggeration and hyperbole. So this is for like a, it's like you owe someone a million million dollars i think you said yesterday when we were chatting a billion billion yeah, we could go with a, a, a billion billion, billion. It's so it's a huge huge number and so you're supposed to in this moment go okay we're, we're dealing with exaggeration to make a point here 
And so then he goes and presses on and says this, but the man had no means of paying it back. So the master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and everything he possessed and the payment to be made. Now, in this moment, you're asking, there was no regulatory practice here. How, how did he get a million million or a billion in the first place? There's some processes not in place here. However, they're not asking that question. Um, and, and so he says, I want to recoup some of that. But the extraordinary part of this is you can go ahead and if you had your children and wife sold, um, you're not going to recoup, sorry, all that much in light of a billion dollars. Um, to be, and, but what you'd have to rely upon is your friends and family to help bail you out of that jail. And so this is the response. He went to the king, he fell down before him and he said, he begged him, he said, would you be, please be patient with me and I'll pay you back everything, which is ridiculous because he couldn't in the first place, it's absurd. Um, but that's his line. And so in light of this though, the, the master says this, it says the master's heart was moved and he was very sorry for him and he let him off. A billion, billion. It's ridiculous, right? And he forgave him the loan. And then he goes on and Jesus tells this second part of the story. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owned a hundred dinars, which is like a dinar is one day's wage. So a hundred days wages. Yeah? And he seized him and he began to throttle him, throttle him, pay me back what you owe me. Yeah? The colleague fell down and begged him. This is the same language, repeated speech. Be patient with me and I'll pay you. Now, the answer, if you were to insert here, you know where you should reflexively go to, right? But he refused and went and threw him into prison until he could pay back the debt. So friends would bail him out. Well, the king hears about this and he pulls him back and he's angry, right? Fair enough. Yep. And he says this, shouldn't you have taken pity on your colleague like I took pity on you? Because the assumption in this sort of paradigm, if you like, in this sort of exchange, is that forgiveness is supposed to flow down. Someone once described it like a bucket. Every time you give forgiveness, offer forgiveness to someone, it's like taking a drop of water out of the bucket of God's forgiveness towards you and you hand it towards someone else. And so then he comes in and jumps in at this moment and he says, okay, now, so this is where the unlikeness to God is because he says, the king says, I'm going to take you now, send you to the torturers, and you're going to be put in jail and until all the last drop of it can be paid. And then Jesus, if you like, finishes with this. And that's what my heavenly father will do to you. So that's why the separation needs to happen between that last bit. Unless each of you forgives your brother or sister from the heart. So he's talking about within God's family. Uh, which doesn't let you off the hook if you go, well, if someone's not a Jesus follower, then it's okay. I don't need to apply this. Now there's application across the board. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, what does that mean for us here? I think with it means no billion, billions. yeah. A, f- a few things here is that this story is profound in that it actually portrays God as being this extravagant forgiver. God is in the business of repair, and God is in the business, if you like, of forgiving. That's what he's like. The second thing it tells me is that humans, our instinct, if you like, is to harbour resentment against other people, uh, even in light of the forgiveness I may have received. And the third thing it kind of reminds me of is that what's supposed to happen if I've encountered God's extravagant loving forgiveness of me, it's supposed to flow through me to others. It's supposed to flow out. It's supposed to flow down. Absolutely. Okay, what about you then, Troy? Is forgiveness easy? What do you do? What sort of... 
Well, it's all very business-like and transactional here, isn't it? I mean, it's just an equation that you follow, isn't it? It's so emotionally devoid of any sort of attachment to other people or situations. No, it's actually really super hard. And um, so thinking about this week, um, I remember some years ago I was preparing to become a minister. I was over at Bible College and I had, um, sorry to say it, formed a, a jealousy and an envy towards a friend of mine. Uh, they were probably getting ahead, and this is just kind of the everyday garden variety of jealousy and envy, yeah, that just puts a separation between you and the other person. Well, I was prepping to talk. I'd been invited to speak at a church, one of my first talks, and as I was preparing for that and spending time with God, I felt this gentle whisper saying, why don't you do something about this? Why don't you do something about this? And I kept on, no, no, no. And then the night before, the very night before, uh, his whisper got so great that I ended up calling my friend and saying, would you forgive me? I've, I've held this against you. Mm, absolutely. And um, so it's hard. And you recognise the hard. Yeah, absolutely. And you were talking about proximity as yeah. well. Tell us about that. So when I'm finding it difficult to forgive someone, this is what I do. Firstly, I just think about the exemplar of Jesus hanging on a cross, dying for the world, and his words, Father, forgive that's the first place. Second thing I go is I recognize that my unwillingness to forgive before God. God, I don't want to do this. Third thing is I go, God, I need your help. And then the fourth thing is that when I cultivate proximity to God, do you notice the bird there in this image? The closer it gets to the sun, the, the contrast is greater so that it becomes clearer in this image. I think that's what happens when I draw close to God and humans do. The blemishes show up. So I become more aware of my stuff inside of me. And as I stay close to God, he whispers about those, will you do with your own things? And that's helpful for me. Absolutely, because it's healthier for you. Yeah. Troy, thank you so much. Okay. Really appreciate that. Okay. Thank you. Take a look at this. My mom left when I was a baby, and my dad raised me until I was four. My dad thought it was best for me to go to Germany to grow up with his sister. I remember the other day when we went to the airport, and I remember holding on to that gate because I didn't want to leave him. I um, hated my father for leaving me. Right. Sending me somewhere I don't know. <laughs> when I was seven, I had abused from my neighbor. I hated God. I hated him for all the stuff I went through. And I was like, oh, if you exist, why would you like do this to me, you know? Matt and Steph invited me to church. It was weird because I'm like, never went to church ever. They were just so nice and so welcoming, right? And I was like, oh, this is like a different experience. Like, I like going there. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm gonna go meet new people. <laughs> I think it was the time when it was about forgiveness. It was just so powerful that, 
you know, he forgave us for everything we did and that he still loves us, right? How can he like love me when I did like so many stuff, you know, how can I forgive myself? How can I forgive people who hurt me? I think that was the moment when the dog I had inside went away and the light came through. Yeah. Okay, Stu, come on up. So as I said before, Stu is a counsellor. He used to uh, work with the children here uh, with us, and now he works as a teacher and a counsellor, and it's great to have you with us, so thank you very much. Uh, so first of all, we heard in the story that Rawa was saying... Yeah, that was that, a powerful um, video, yeah, wasn't really it? really powerful, I know. Um, that uh, just... She talked about the darkness going and just the damage uh, from holding on to resentment. So... Um, it, from who you are with your hat on. Tell us about that damage that resentment does. Sure. Well, it's, it's not a great list. Um, when resentment really sets in, uh, it can lead to chronic fault-finding, it can lead to recurring anger, to real hostility, and even hatred. And as actually Troy actually mentioned already, um, the first point there, it gets in the way of real connection with others. I guess the best that you can do when you get to this point is you find somebody else who's been really miffed and you kind of vent together and that's um, that's not a real connection um, but yeah it tends to block gratitude as we see there and um, when it's not acknowledged your body's in this constant tension and uh, this is even harder if you've got this resentment and it's sort of hidden underneath and then it pops up in all sorts of unhelpful ways I think the, the list there is displaced ways. It shows up passive-aggressive um, anxiety or displaced anger. Notice when you go to the footy, you see a lot of displaced anger from the crowd. <laughs> which makes you wonder why anyone would be an umpire. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you had a bit more research for us, did oh, you? Oh, yes. I did. I'm, I'll keep you going. Yeah, I know right. where you're going. Um, this, of course, the, the physical damage that it does to you. Actually, holding on to resentment um, is not good for your body. And there's a lot of research about that. Here's a quote. Um, Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in the heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, among other conditions. There's a long list of nasties that it just does to you to hold on to resentment for a long time. Yeah, and one more quote, I think. Uh, no, that was just the. Um, oh yeah. The, uh, where it came from. Ah, oh, forgiveness. Yep. Your health depends on it. It does, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yep. Okay, thinking about some scenarios then. Yeah. Um, and so forgetting all your clients that you've ever seen, but just some general scenarios. So sometimes relationships, there is, it, they're not balanced in power. So you have an un un balanced power yep. so in those relationships what can resentment look like okay so i'm making up hypotheticals any resemblance to anyone here is simply coincidence mm, yeah. okay yeah all right so imbalance of power ones so we've got the parent child ones we've got the boss and um, worker one so let's just make up a hypothetical with um, a family so we have uh, maybe a teenager and parent the typical thing where things conflict arises is around incremental independence. So to explain that, the way it works in an ideal world is that as the teenager starts to make good choices, shows responsibility, 
they're given more autonomy. They're given more opportunity to choose and make decisions. So that's the ideal world. And that as gradually as they get to an adult where they have full autonomy. The conflict comes in when the teenager shows responsibility, but the parents sort of still hold that control and don't start passing it over gradually. Or, as in probably more commonly, when the teenager doesn't show responsibility and demands that autonomy and just says, you know, I'm making this choice. So we could, um, just to illustrate that, let's just say the teenager goes to a party and at the party, some destructive things are happening. Maybe the others at the party are you know, into alcohol or vaping or whatever, some uh, unhealthy behaviour. And the teenager responds uh, responsibly. They make a good choice and they go, I'm not participating, no thanks. They go to another room, they separate out, call mum and dad, pick me up. And they've made a good choice. But then next time there's an opportunity to do something, Parents go, oh, get a bit overprotective, and they make the decision and say, here's what's happening, bang, and don't involve the teenager in it. So that's where the, the responsibility is shown, but there's no more uh, opportunity for the teenager to grow in their choices. So then they get angry, yes. and if that recurs, the anger continues, it kind of gets accumulative, and the resentment starts to build up. Yeah, fantastic. And you can see similar things can happen with because you do generally gain more responsibility in work as well. But let's go on then to relationships where it's equal power, um, equal, yeah, power. So what about, give us a... Okay, well, I guess there's, there's so many different possibilities. Uh, say we could go for a marriage relationship as yeah. a hypothetical. Um, there's always expectations which are either expressed or not expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Moll is to say... Uh, there's a certain need that someone feels they have and the partner is not meeting that need. And um, they may have expressed it or not and that continues on uh, for a while and, and they keep thinking, well, they don't care for me. They're not meeting this need. And they may not have even stated the need. Uh, and that resentment can build up from yeah, that. Absolutely. And friendships similar? Well, uh, yeah, I guess yeah, friendships could be yeah. similar. It could be all sorts of things. Uh, say something really hurtful or, you know, it's n- not reciprocating. You know, one one's always does the initiating and the other never does. Those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so can you sort of take us through a step-by-step really helpful way of how do we go about forgiving then? Okay, so uh, I've got a few dot points for this one too. The first point I've got there is on self-awareness. And since la- it was last week, wasn't it? Last week, the whole week was about Two weeks, that. Two weeks ago. ago was about that. Okay, sorry. Um, so if um, if you didn't if you missed it two weeks ago, um, go back and rewatch that one. It was a good one. Um, but the first question is, what's actually happening inside of me? Um, and, and that sort of self reflection. Think about what's going on, and uh, what, what how am I feeling about this, and why am I responding this way? The second one there is about the motivation for change. I find this one of the trickiest things with resentment. And you mentioned before when you were talking with Troy about how that um, resentment gives you this feeling of empowerment. It feels like you're actually doing something. It feels like you're not being passive, like you're still in control, even though you're not. Um, And that feeling of being empowered is kind of a little addictive. And it can also mask other feelings. If you're feeling vulnerable or weak in a situation, that anger can mask it and you can kind of push that down and pretend it's not there. So we kind of have to recognise, uh, look at really what the the damage that it does 
to start getting that motivation to go, actually, I need to deal with this. Then we've got process the emotion. Don't let it sort of hide deep down under, underneath where you don't know, you know, we haven't really thought it through. Just sit back and just think, what's going on inside me and process it in a way to go, okay, how do I feel about this situation? And that may take talking it through with somebody and um, which leads on to the next one about finding healthy ways to deal with it. So that anger and resentment, <clears throat> sometimes you'll see, um, you know, someone think, oh, just get the punching bag out, you know, or um, go to the driving range, oh, you know, the, the new teacher who gets the, the golf uh, ball out and pitches the frustrated, you know, annoying students and whack, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, just, um, or... You know, Top the, tip for everyone. Yeah. The, <laughs> Not. So the punching bag, or the scream into the pillow one. Those ones, are, you know, they're kind of the, that laughable thing that people feel like they can get it out, but they're not actually that helpful. They actually still build the same feeling as you do them. So you need to find more helpful ways to kind of get it out. Um, sometimes exercise can be helpful, which is why probably the punching bag thing in some sense can be a little bit helpful, but uh, a run or a bike ride or a jump on the trampoline would be far better than the punching bag. Or reversing it, going into the relaxation side of things, any element of the deep breathing side. So both of those ways in terms of that dealing with anger, but, but finding a, you know, journaling it, uh, so that you can kind of get it out is, is a good one. That one's been mentioned, talking it out with somebody. Um, not like the one I mentioned before where you're finding someone else who's been miffed so you can get an ally in your anger, but the really talking it out with someone who can listen and kind of go, yeah, I get it. Um, they could come and see you to do that. They could, <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that plug. <laughs> um, so, but it doesn't have to be a counsellor, of course. You know, you can talk to someone other. And, of course, the next one is how are you carrying that forward? Once you've got it out, what do you do with it then? Um, do you want to... I guess the idea is you've you kind of got this openness to it. You're sort of seeing what's there, what's inside me. I express it, I get it out. And then I've got to find a way to leave it behind so I'm not carrying it forward. And when it then comes back, because often you find I've, I've forgiven, I've let go, oh hang on, it's there again. And so we just do this whole process again. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think we just go back to it and go... And, and probably the, the last point is that choice element. And I think that's why Troy mentioned the Bible voice that first that just had that specific instruction, get rid of it. Because there's actually this choice element to it as well, uh, where we can each time it comes back up, we can choose to let it go again. Yeah, that slow process, that slow round process. Thank you. That is so helpful, really helpful. Um, okay, so what about... Oh, a, go on. a resource. Yes. I think so, oh, this is the resource. Now, you've put this somewhere, Ali, haven't you? Yes, this is on the app. So this is a resource that might help just to process it. The first few questions start with that self-awareness element, but it helps kind of take you through the process of how you feel about it, how you can express it, uh, and it's just a, a good little thing to follow through that you can do on your own or with somebody else. Yeah, it's called The Ladder of Integrity. It's from Peter Scazzaro, if you know him. And um, on the app as well is a um, his podcast where he explains it. So it's some more information about how to go through it. But absolutely such a great way of going. Is this anger actually because of just my values or past hurts? Absolutely. It's a great way. So thank you. And on the app as well, there's um, we've put another reflection, another examine. So you can go on that. It's got questions about forgiveness. We're really encouraging people uh, to stop each day and just do some self-reflection about how they're getting on. 
Okay, last question. Stu, what about you then? You are a counsellor. You are a follower of Jesus. You believe forgiveness is really important. So do you get it right all the time? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm growing, same as everyone else, but I'm really grateful to God that he continues to nudge me to grow. Thank you so much. That's been really helpful. And you're happy for people to come and have a natter afterwards if need Oh, yeah, be. always happy to talk to people. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Stu. That was great. Let's thanks, Stu. I'm going to invite the band to come up. Thank you. A little while ago, a few years ago, a situation happened and um, I got very hurt. And then I, that became very quickly anger inside of me. And, um, and, but I knew that this is not good for me for a start. And so I just knew I need to actually forgive. And so I tried. And so I was like, right, I'm going to forgive. And I did some of those things. And I thought, right, I've let it go, only to discover so soon afterwards, if there was any reminder of it, I would find that it was back in my hand. And so I'd go again, no, 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 I've got to forgive. And so I would um, go down the process of forgiveness again and let go. Um, I even got to a stage of being able to pray for those involved in the situation for good things in their lives. But if names were mentioned, or things like that it was back and I know it was going to be a slow process of time of just that ongoing forgiveness and it was such a little thing and then I went round and I caught up with somebody from our community and um, this beautiful woman who just was chatting to me and I just saw in her what forgiveness was. There was so much more that she could hold on to and yet she forgave in just stunning, beautiful ways. I could just see this beautiful health inside of her from the fact that she had managed to let go and forgive. I saw grace and love in abundance in that woman. And so as I drove away, I do not know what happened, but I prayed and like in the video we watched, it was gone. It was completely gone. A slow process had happened and it absolutely takes time. But Troy is going to come up now and he's just going to give us a moment, a moment to just stop and sit with God before God, recognizing that these things take time. But maybe today can be one step forwards in this, one little step forwards. Over to you, Troy. thought in light of what we've been talking about this morning that it would be appropriate to invite you before God to practice forgiveness I don't know what raw nerves or pressure point that God might be speaking to you about this morning but I wonder if he might be inviting you to deal with some things that have been with you for some time and you no longer want to carry the load. I've written down these words here as I was listening to Stu. Forgiveness is a journey that has a start. It has a start. So I wonder if you've heard the whisper of God this morning to forgive. 
but you're stuck. And maybe you're not quite ready to forgive, but you know you need to step toward that and begin. I'm going to invite you in a few moments to join me as I pray that you might ask God to help you. Or maybe you are, like Ali was explaining, in the process of forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. And that's a good part. But you also need God's help to do something that at times seems to be unhuman. It's to forgive. These are the words that Peter writes. He says this about Jesus. For to this you have been called, because Jesus Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in his steps. He who committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Yet when he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Sometimes for me, to know that I give that grievance up to the right, good, fair, just judge, to deal with those things as he chooses, is the most helpful thing I can do, to give it over and to give it up to him. So this morning, if you would like to enter into that process of forgiveness and make a start or perhaps come before God again and say, would you help? Then I'm just going to invite you quietly in this space to maybe posture yourself before God, a physical response. You might like to just open your hands as a sign of saying, God, I give this up and over to you. I'm willing to make a start. Would you help me now, I pray. So if that's you, then in the quiet now, would you just go ahead and do that? Perhaps just open up your hands. Father God, here in this place right now, in this room, in this sacred, special moment, we open our hands to you. I open my hands to you. And I give to you this grievance and this hurt and this pain. And I ask in this moment that you would do something for me that I feel incapable of doing myself and that is forgiving. Father, I desire to make a start. And so I hand this person, this situation to you now. And I ask God that you would take this from me.
and that you might bring this healing into my life. That you would enable me now to be in some way free from this as I give this now to you. And perhaps in this space, it would be entirely appropriate for you to quietly before God mention that person's name or that situation in prayer to him now. Spirit, we ask that you might bring now your healing, powerful work into our lives. That we might be a forgiving people, a free people, because you have made us free. Amen. 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 Why don't you join with us? Let's stand together.